tools for living, room to grow, a space of grace to become everything God wants us to be. You're listening to The Living Room Podcast with Joanna Weaver, Episode 78. Well, I first met Dr. Julie Slattery when she was co-hosting the Focus on the Family radio broadcast. She was interviewing me about my new book, and I was just so impressed by her heart for Jesus. But I'm telling you guys, she has incredible wisdom as well. Julie has made it her life focus to build up Christian marriages, and I know you're going to be blessed by our conversation today. Well, my dear Julie, welcome to the living room. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for having me. I just feel like we need to put our feet up on the couch and have a cup of tea and just chat. I know, I know. I've been on the other side where where I've been on your podcast, but now I get to have the Dr. Julie Slattery on the living room. And so I'm so excited about this new book that is not necessarily new, except it's all new. So that's yeah. kind of interesting. Would you kind of tell us a little bit about the journey? So I wrote the first version of this book in 1999, I think was when I started writing it. Um, I think it was published maybe in 2000 or right around there. So that was a long time ago. And um, I didn't know much about marriage, but God gave me a message that has sustained me over a lot of years of marriage and also, I think, helped a lot of women as they've navigated the journey and uh, the book kept selling, you know, just a little bit here and there every year. I wanted to continue to refer people to it because I think it has some principles that are helpful. But there was a part of me that was like, uh, it's so old. Like I would change so much of it based on what I know today, uh, based on even how culture has shifted the new challenges that women are facing. And so I'd had it on my heart to rewrite it for many years and just finally got the chance to do so. And I thought, hey, I'll change some pieces of it. But I ended up just kind of scrapping it and starting from scratch. So it's been a, quite a journey. Wow. Well, the book's called Finding the Hero in Your Husband, Embracing Your Power in Marriage. And I, I just love, you, you have a little note there, revisited. And I, yes. I like that it's like, it's it's the new perspective of now, how many years have you guys been married? 27. Yeah. Yeah. And and you do learn a lot along the way, don't we? <laughs> you do. And some of it is confirmation of what you figured out early on, but you have to go back to those truths again. And uh, it's very humbling. I'm sure you know this as an author to read a book and be like, wow, I don't remember writing that. I needed to hear that. Uh, and so we minister to ourselves as we delve into God's word and teach other people. It's like a boomerang that comes back to us. I love it. I love it. Well, what, what is kind of, if, if you were to put the message in a nutshell, when you think about um, that phrase, finding the hero in your husband, what what is it that we need to know as women? Yeah, I think uh, if we're honest, women want their husbands to be your hero. Yeah. Uh, that's the whole romance story that we fell in love with, with Cinderella and Prince Charming and has been told thousands of times before Disney and thousands of time after. It's an echo of our heart that we want that that guy to step in and and to be our hero. And 
interestingly enough, guys want to be a hero too. So if you look at guys' movies, what's the theme? The guy has to have um, a coming of age where he is asked to risk and to uh, do something worthwhile with his life and, you know, superheroes save the world and, um, you know, normal stories. It's just a guy who risks and does something good. Uh, You see his character development, you see him grow, you see him mature. And so honestly, we have this common theme in marriage where women want the guy to be a hero and the guy really wants that too, but we can't really seem to get there. And uh, I read one quote that I think really resonates with a lot of both men and women. It says, marriage is a romance in which the hero dies in the first chapter. And <laughs> yeah. True. Yeah. And so there's that disappointment that I think every woman can resonate with of, wow, like I saw all the strength in him when we were dating and I have this hope for him. And then when we get into the real life working out of intimacy, all I can see are the disappointments and the weaknesses. And so a woman begins reacting based on that disappointment. She tries everything she can to fix him, to change mm-hmm. him, to coach him up. Uh, and then for some women, they end up just kind of giving up and feeling like, I've I've read all the books, I've done the work, he's not changing, um, there's going to be no intimacy here. And, uh, and so the book is really about the idea that women work hard at their marriage, but sometimes we don't work wisely yeah. and we do things that actually sabotage, uh, that hero. We sabotage intimacy instead of building it. Hmm. Wow. That's so good. So where do we start, Julie? Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, I think, I think we start with this concept that, God, uh, in the way he created relationships, he's given both men and women power in Mm. marriage. And our power is really the result of what our husband needs. What, What my husband needs gives me power. And that God calls us as women to use our power wisely. And so that's a main theme of this book is understanding your power as a wife and becoming aware of how you're using it to stay safe instead of using it to build intimacy. Uh, And I think also realizing that in most cases, women actually have more power in marriage than men do. Mm. And if we're not careful, we can really um, create an unsafe environment emotionally in our marriage because of how we're using our power. I think that's so true. I know John and I just celebrated our 40th anniversary. Congratulations. So crazy. It's like, how in the world did that happen? But, uh, you know, I had to laugh that, you know, the hero dies in the first chapter. And that is, it really is true. Sadly, though, sometimes, sometimes as wives, you know, we just think that they'll, that they'll never resurrect. They'll never become. And I, I know I had so many expectations of John, you know, I, and, and God really had to almost, I, I I remember seeing this title and I thought, oh my goodness, this is so good. It said how to murder your dream man. Because I think sometimes our, what we expected and we, that hero that we had, that we thought we dated and that we had created almost in our mind, you know, all of a sudden, here's reality. And if we're mm-hmm. constantly measuring them up to that, then in some ways, I, I do know that I almost murdered, not my dream mm-hmm. man, but my love for John because yeah. of all my expectations. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, you know, I think our expectations honestly are rooted in a good place. I don't even think they started with Disney. Uh, if we look at the Bible, the Bible talks about marriage as being a form of revelation. It reveals to us Christ's love for the, his church. And so God made it so that a husband is cast in the role of Jesus, mm-hmm. which yeah. is, wow, like talk about a big job description. But we, we're longing for that. We're longing for our husband to be like Jesus. Yeah. And that's not a bad thing. That's an echo of what marriage is meant to represent. But we have to realize that uh, that we first need to trust in the true Jesus and have those needs for a Savior met in him. And then we're able to work out what does it look like for this man to become more like Christ as we become in many ways more like Christ too. And in the journey of marriage and how it challenges us to know what it is to love well. So uh, so it's not all bad that we have such high expectations, but it's what we do with those expectations and disappointments that really matter. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So as you look back at the book you wrote back in 1999 and now this revisiting in 2021, in that specific area, that challenge of 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 finding the hero and even giving room for the hero. What has been maybe the biggest change for you or aha moment in your own marriage? Yeah, I think when you're writing this as a young wife, you're writing it by faith. So you're writing it by faith that God really will be enough when your husband isn't. Mm-hmm. And you're writing it by faith that he's really going to grow in that pair of shoes that God created for him. Not that I created for him, yes. but he's going to become the man that God formed him to be. When you're writing after 27 years of marriage, it's no longer just by faith. It's like, no, like I've seen it. I've seen God be enough for me. I know him in such an intimate way now that it's not this lofty ideal that, oh, God is your husband and you know mm-hmm. he's, he's the one that's intimate with you. Like I know what that is now. Mm-hmm. And I also know what it is to see my husband grow into a man that I couldn't imagine when we first got married. Uh, you know, I see that he had the same strengths back then, but they weren't fully developed. And in many ways, we kind of fought against each other's growth for years where I wasn't really inviting him to be the man that God created him to be. I was inviting him to be the man I thought he should be. And there's a big difference. So um, so I think that's the main aha and why it gives me so much more excitement to share this message for women because I'm like, it really works. Like, yes, yes your faith will not return void. So, Amen. Um, so that's been a great encouragement. I love that. I love that. It's so funny because, I mean, we know we're not perfect, but we get so offended that they're not perfect. Yes. <laughs> so we yes. want grace and room to grow, but we don't always give it. And I would say the same thing for me, you know, I just as I let go of, you know, I just let go of my expectations of what I thought it had to be and just said, Lord, change me, you know, get mm-hmm. your hands on me. It's just been beautiful. John and I look at each other and it's like, what a gift we almost missed, Mm. you know, had we just hardened into that married single, you know, where he did his thing and I did mine, but we really did let God work in us individually. And it it is a beautiful thing. It just, how God designed it is really remarkable. Well, I just think about that young, young woman out there that 
Oh my goodness. She she just lived the fairy tale. She had the most incredible wedding. They had a fabulous honeymoon. <laughs> but she's about a year in and she's going, what the world? Yeah. Where where do we start to to find that hero and call forth that hero? You know, and, and maybe it is like for me, like laying down some of the expectations, but where do we begin, Julie? Yeah, I think some of the beginning is realizing that the disappointment is part of the story. Mm. Um, I think one way I put it in the book is that the fairy tale has to end for intimacy to begin. Uh, And uh, there's a very superficial kind of love. It's not bad, but it's not mature love when we first get married, where it is about the wedding and the fun and the honeymoon and even neurochemically about the way our brains are responding to new love and just the novelty of being married. But that's not the kind of love that ultimately God calls us to. Um, When Jesus says, you know, they'll know you're my disciples by the way you love each each other. He's not talking about that, that ooey gooey, fun friendship love that just comes more naturally for us. He's talking about the kind of love that uh, perseveres through disappointment believes, you know, like in First Corinthians 13, how it defines that. And so I had to come to a place to realize that I don't actually really know if I love my husband until I don't feel love for him. Mm-hmm. It's in the seasons that I don't feel love that I'm actually experiencing the choice to love and yeah. uh, a love that can endure. And so I think changing your paradigm when you're, when you're thinking about those disappointments, like not saying, oh no, I married the wrong person or our marriage is never going to be good, but actually saying, okay, you know, this is, this is God challenging me and challenging us to a deeper level of intimacy and love that then would be possible if everything was easy all the time. And we always just felt good together. Yeah. Wow. That's so good, isn't it? Just, I think, and I think it's an important message we don't always hear, you know, that either, either it's one of two extremes is that, oh, it's the romance and it's all that, or, oh, it's going to be horrible. Yeah. Yeah. Give it a year. You're going to be miserable. (laughs) And so understanding there's going to be a battle, but that it doesn't have to be. I I think the thing that's sad to me is sometimes we think, well, this is just the way it's going to be. And we almost settle for that less than love that God has for us. Mm-hmm. Will you talk about the woman's gr- a wife's greatest challenge uh, and then also a wife's power, how to use it in right ways to strengthen your marriage? Can you kind of unpack that, the challenge as well as how to use our power correctly? Yeah. So the challenge really goes with that question of how to use our power correctly. So the dilemma is kind of like this. I want my husband to lead. I want him to man up, but I want him to lead the way I tell him to lead. (laughs) So think about that double mind. Uh, If he actually leads the way I tell him to, he's not leading. And so, uh, and so when I say this to men, they're like, they start nodding their head like, yeah, Mm -hmm. that's exactly how I feel. Uh, I feel like as soon as I step into making a decision or leading, then she's right there behind me saying, not that way, you know, no, 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 do it this way. I, and there are endless examples of that, but the dilemma is I, I want him to step up, but I can't get out of my own way hmm. because fear takes over. Um, yeah. What if he doesn't do it right? 
or my way is better, or can I really trust him? I trust myself more than I trust him. And um, the reason that plays so much into power is because we're going to use our power often based on our fear. So, um, so when I get triggered in fear, then my power becomes used like I'll take over. You know, I won't, I won't leave that room for my husband to really step up and grow. So, uh, and I've experienced this in so many different ways in marriage. Um, yeah, I think like practically, it's one of the examples I use in the book is um, in early in our marriage when the kids were really little, my husband would work the normal nine to five job and I would go see clients maybe two nights a week. So he, right around five o'clock, he'd come home, we'd high five, you know, I'd have food in the refrigerator for the kids to eat. And I'd come home like after my last client, maybe 10 o'clock. And I distinctly remember standing in the kitchen, hugging my husband and looking over like around his shoulder and seeing that he didn't eat the food that I prepared. He got Domino's and, and I just start getting mad. And, you know, like, why didn't you give them the chicken and the broccoli? Well, we just decided to get pizza. And then I'd find out that they watched Disney movies all night, you know, instead of doing the, doing the non-screen time thing. And I would just get frustrated. So not only did I want him to step in the gap of parenting, but I had specific ways he was, he was supposed to parent. And if he didn't do it the way I wanted, sometimes I would come out and say that, that I was angry. Sometimes I'd be manipulative and just kind of like hold a grudge. So that's just a typical scenario where, again, we want him to step in, but as soon as he does, he's not doing it the way we want. And then we start to sabotage. Okay. So, to, so true. And we have yeah. all done it and we've yeah. all felt it. How do we stop, Julie? Dr. Julie, <laughs> how do we stop? Well, like in that case, you know, first of all, I had to have empathy for my husband. So yeah. He gets up at six in the morning, works a full day, comes home, you know, we're tag teaming it and he's got a one-year-old, a five-year-old and a seven-year-old. And so, yeah, he's exhausted and it's not easy to come home and then, and then have the kids to take care of. And the same way it's not easy for me when right. I'm trying to juggle it. But I think having empathy for each other, but also I had to resign myself to what what I'm building in my marriage and what we're building in our family is more important than how we build it. Mm. So in other words, is it such a bad thing that my boys think about dad as we get to have fun? Like yeah. mom's at work, we get to have fun. Dad's going to tickle us. Dad's going to watch a movie with us. Dad's going to order pizza. Mom would never do that. <laughs> and at first I was sort of resentful of that, but then I'm like, that's a wonderful thing and mm -hmm. um, that they associate dad with fun. Like yeah. that's, he's also very much a disciplinarian. So it's not a hundred percent one-sided, but the other thing was, how can I appreciate the fact that, uh, that we are teammates and that we are tag teaming it. And he doesn't tell me how to parent the boys during the day when he's at work. So why do I feel like I have that right to do that with mm. him and not let him experience what it's like for him to be a dad. Like one day it just dawned on me. I don't want my kids to have a mom and a dad. I want them to have two moms. Mm. 
Mm. Like I want them to be just, I want Mike to be just like me. And it's like, no, like God created my husband differently. And it's in those differences that our kids are the better. Yeah. uh, And that we make better decisions. So it's really challenging some of our paradigms. It's asking in the quiet of the night, like, why did that bother me so much? It's just pizza. Uh, why Why am I grabbing onto control? Uh, why am I reacting to something in the long run that really doesn't matter that much? And, and just getting that bigger perspective. Yeah. Wow. I love that you bring up that whole point about empathy because we really don't do that very well. No. I think, I think it's, I, I do know I was the same way. It's like, you know, thou shalt be just like me. And yes. It's like <laughs> the go. Lord told me, you know, and I would get all upset because John would do do dangerous things or, you know, I'm like, oh no, that's too dangerous. And it's, the Lord said, I've given them a father for a reason, Joanna. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Back off. But, you know, I do think that there there are also those situations where where maybe we've got marriages where a husband perhaps isn't a believer and a wife yeah. is. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, they're, they're not only just navigating different personalities and different ways of doing things, but even different value systems and how, how to still, I, I find it fascinating that the Bible doesn't say wives submit to your husbands if they're really godly and always do yes. everything right. <laughs> we wish it said it that way, right? <laughs> yeah. And so how, how do we give room for our husbands to be the people they are and yeah. and honor them there. Yeah, I you know, I think um you know part of what I talk about in the book is that husbands have um two needs in particular that give a woman power in marriage and one of them is this need to feel respected. And we kind of roll our eyes cuz we've heard that so often. But we don't understand that it's tied to a man's fear of failure. Yeah. And um, yeah, I was talking to one man earlier today. He was interviewing me on this book. And he said, you know, he was a public speaker. And he said, when I'm done speaking, the one person I look to, her first response is my wife. Did I do a good job or did I not? Mm. And uh, her words in that moment are so important to me. Like everyone else can say, I did a great job, but it doesn't mean the same. And that's true with every husband. He's looking to his wife to say, you know, am I your hero? Am I enough? Do you believe in me? And so when the Bible calls us to respect our husbands, it's really tapping into that need. And that gives a woman power to say thumbs up or thumbs down. Uh, you, You hold in your words the power of life and death in terms of your husband's confidence. Uh, And then there's this other competing need where he needs your help. And, you know, from the very beginning of God's design for marriage, he said, man is not good alone. And so I'm going to make him this helper. And that's not an insignificant thing. You know, the word helper there is the same word that God uses to describe the work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, And so as a wife, you're constantly juggling these two areas of need that he needs my respect. He needs to know I believe in him, but he also needs me as a sister in Christ to bring the gifts that I have when necessary to confront, um, to wound my husband with, with wounds of love, as the scripture says, instead of just pretending that everything's okay. And so there certainly are those areas in every marriage where 
you you need to address serious issues. Uh, you need to address if your husband is um, engaging in an addictive behavior. Uh, you need to address if he's uh, in any way verbally or physically abusive. Like those are things that we step in and and we say, even out of love for God and for our husbands, this is not okay. Yeah. But we're building the bridge to be able to have that that voice in our husband's life by looking for ways to encourage him, by looking for ways to say, I do believe in you. I love you. I'm so glad I married you. Like you are that hero. Um, and that's true of every man. There, there are strengths that he brings to the relationships. There, there's things that he does that you can naturally look at and really call out. But our natural tendency over the years, especially through disappointment, is to look at what's wrong instead of looking at what's right. Yeah. Well, one of the things that you have really focused on and brought a lot of wisdom to is the area of sexual intimacy in the marriage. And, you know, I think... I think when we're not trusting our husbands or we're we're not we're we're so hyper focused on the flaws it's really hard to be intimate with someone that we don't trust. And so walking through that and you know sometimes I think we settle like I said we settle for being married singles rather than really coming together and mm-hmm. you know when it comes to to the area of sexual intimacy and finding the hero how can we build up our husbands how can we how, how how can we invest in a marriage that blesses both of us? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, trust is so key to marriage, um, to any form of intimacy, because trust means I feel safe with you. Mm-hmm. And uh, if trust has been broken in significant ways, it's really hard to move forward in intimacy in, until that's been dealt with. Uh, but the other thing I would say is a lot of times we think of trust as an either or situation, like either I trust my husband or I don't, mm. where in reality, trust isn't either or, it's always uh, it's always in a gradient. And we want to be working towards more trust and deeper trust. But if we're honest, we all we all have done things to to break trust with each other, you know, even a simple example of you're both in a bad mood, you're tired, you're hungry, you get in an argument and you say words that you wish you could take back. Yeah. You've broke you've eroded some trust in that interaction. Uh, and certainly there are major breaches of trust like infidelity that again have to be addressed. You can't just look past those. But my encouragement would be to women to think not do I trust him or don't I, but God is always teaching us what it is to be a trustworthy person. My husband's learning that. I'm learning that. Even though our marriage isn't perfect, there are aspects of my husband that I do trust. Mm -hmm. Uh, I do trust that he wants the best for me. I do trust that we're on the same team. Even if he's emotionally insensitive at times, I do believe he doesn't want to hurt me. And so I think it's important to, again, look at, what is there and not just look at what is not there uh, and realize that this is a journey um, and nobody is a hundred percent trustworthy at the beginning. And actually none of us are hundred percent trustworthy at the end, but hopefully we become more like Christ and um, we become more the kind of people that can love well in all situations. Yeah. 
Do you think forgiveness has something to do with all of this, especially even in the area of finding the hero, letting the past be the past? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I think, I think forgiveness and grace, you Mm. know, they, they're, they're similar. They kind of go together. Forgiveness is when there really has been wounding and it's dealt with, it's acknowledged and just saying, okay, I can move forward. Like I've forgiven you. I've released that. I'm not going to carry it anymore. But I think a closely related cousin to that is grace. And grace means that I'm not going to hold you to a standard of perfection. Yeah. Uh, and I'm glad that you don't hold me to that standard. Um, so like one of the the word pictures I have for grace is here in Ohio, we get pretty bad winters. And so, uh, so there's this one time I was driving and it was like a blizzard out of nowhere. The snow's coming down and nobody wants to be driving in that situation. Nobody could see. And I realized like how carefully we all were driving. We were going slow. We gave like major um, following distance because you didn't know if you could stop. At stoplights, everybody was like looking three times and inching their way forward because it was unpredictable. And I think that there are seasons in marriage where we have to do marriage that way, Mm. where uh, we realize, okay, there's been a major loss in our family, or we're just recovering from something. Uh, And it feels that way that we just have such grace that I know you might not be able to stop at this stop sign. You might slide through. And I'm I'm leaving room for that, Uh, particularly if you're navigating things that are new. Uh, conversations that are new. Maybe you're going through the healing journey. And so I think both forgiveness and grace are key um, to building that kind of intimacy. Yeah, so true. Well, one of the things I love, Julie, is you've got so many resources for people. And and so can you just unpack different ways they can connect with you or find marital and and just that intimacy piece that you seem Mm -hmm. to really do so well at? Yeah. So the hub of our ministry is called, it's authenticintimacy.com. So the ministry is Authentic Intimacy. Um, and there are some of the key ways you could connect. Uh, obviously, books like this one, we have online book studies going through many of our resources um, just virtually. And then we have a podcast called Job with Julie, which you have been on yes. that releases every Monday. And we also have a separate website that you can link to uh, just for leaders, for Christian leaders, lay leaders, vocational Christian leaders on navigating sexual issues, kind of with more of a gospel-centered perspective. So um, so that's called sexualdiscipleship.com. So we've got a lot going on. You, but you, can, pretty, you can find all of it at authenticintimacy.com. I love it. Well, you, God has used you to speak some really important truth in some really significant times. And it just seems we continue to walk in just kind of a crazy time when it comes Mm -hmm. to sexuality and all of those things. I do know God gave you an opportunity back when Fifty Shades of Grey was really popular. And, you know, I think, I think sometimes we underestimate what culture is doing to our satisfaction level in marriage. Mm-hmm. How can we guard our hearts? Yeah. You know, I don't even think at this point it's guarding our hearts. I think it's asking God to reclaim our hearts. Mm. Um, because I, I've i yet to meet a woman or a couple who doesn't feel like 
something's already been robbed. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so, something's been taken. Even if it wasn't your choice, we live in such uh, a sex-saturated culture that uh, our music, our streaming, our conversation uh, just has such a low view of sex and of our dignity and our humanity that God's work really is redeeming. And uh, and so the way we do that is by inviting his redemption, by really pressing in to get his perspective on these things, which is why we do what we do at Authentic Intimacy is to really help people on that journey of what does it look like for God to reclaim and redeem what's been lost. Yeah, yeah. You talk a lot um, about also just what really biblical submission is. And as we're kind of closing this time, I mean, that's kind of a hot button topic for women. Yeah. Let's close with an easy one. Just really (laughs) just, we'll just tap into that. But I I think, I, I think you really bring up an important point. I remember telling John, um, Early in marriage, I said, I know I'm a strong woman. I know it. But I so really do want to submit. I really yeah. do believe that God has a pattern that works. It's not it's not to browbeat women and put them in their place. There's just this healthy order. And yet, boy, our flesh and just just even our uh, our culture, everything seems to fight against it. So I'd love, I'd just love to have you kind of unpack. I know we're just going to be able to scratch the surface, but yeah. what does godly submission look like and what isn't God- submission? Yeah, yeah. I'm so sad to see how that word has been misapplied and misused um, to really put women in, at harm and to take away their voice. Um, You know, that's not at all what God intended. In order to understand submission, you have to understand power. And um, God calls women in marriage to yield to their husbands or submit to their husbands, not because he wants them to be weak, but because he knows how much power we have. And we've talked about that a little bit, but I think the most powerful wife on earth is the one who fully walks in the power God's given her, but chooses to yield that power in such a way that it's building intimacy, building her husband's confidence in her. She's growing. Um, you know, he's yielding to her and saying, Hey, I want to love you like Christ loves the church. Right. Uh, and so it re- actually requires way more power to know who God has created you and to wisely use that power than it does to take over. Yeah. Um, And so submission is not the absence of power. It's the wise and intentional application of power. Um, And that's the most powerful woman in the world. Oh, I love that. That's so, so good. Oh, I know for me, uh, it's such a blessing it's such a blessing to be married to a man who isn't threatened by my strengths, yeah. who wants me, you know, who who calls them forth, you know, but at the same time to just be able to come under his covering, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't see it as a less than in. It, it's just this beautiful, beautiful place where I know I'm safe and I can use my giftings. Um, knowing that my husband's going to cover me with his love. He's going to call me when I'm wrong. He's going to call me out, Mm -hmm. but he's going to forgive me. And he's, you know, uh, it's just this beautiful mutual submission. I think is kind of what you're saying where he's loving me like Christ. I always think he's got the harder job. (laughs) 
He does, <laughs> he for sure. Like Christ, you know? Yeah. I just, I get to, I get to move in my giftings, but always under that beautiful covering of his love. So, well, and the, the reason that John's not threatened by your giftings is because you haven't, you haven't taken over with them. I've and, tried not to. It's been a yeah. journey. Well, I know I, I get that, but like we're in a season now, Mike and I are in a season where, again, he's watching me in ministry and saying, hey, how can I support you? How can I help Aww. you? Uh, that wouldn't have happened if we'd been wrestling for power yes. over the last 15 or 20 years. Yes. But because we, we trust each other, because he trusts that I'm not going to use my strength to overpower him, he's not threatened. And now we can be teammates and now we can encourage each other. And it's not about who goes first. It's about who's serving one another. Mm -hmm. And it takes years uh, to get that down and for God to chip away at our fear and our pride. But when it happens, it's a beautiful thing. It really is. It really is. Because in the process, we're both becoming more like Jesus. Right. That's you know, the point. And isn't that what it's right? Yes, it is. It's what it is all about. I've just been thinking so much lately about uh, how, as a younger Christian woman, I really honestly was waiting for the magic wand. I was just mm. at, waiting for the moment when I'd be perfect and I'd do yeah. it all <laughs> just right and everything would be amazing and I'd never struggle again. And, you know, of course, it's been a journey and of becoming, you know, of becoming more like Jesus, becoming, mm -hmm. uh, you know, more in love with my husband. And I can say, you know, 40 years after seeing I do, uh, 32 of those very happy and eight of those me really struggling. It's so worth it. It's so worth it to do it God's way. And I would just love to have you pray over the girls who are listening. Um, sure. We've got a very wide audience. We've got women who've been married 40 plus years like me, those who are uh, just experiencing emptiness, those who are just mm -hmm. beginning, those who are like, I want so badly to be married and I want to become the woman that I need to be. Would you just pray over all of us today? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Father, thank you for your grace for us. Uh, even as Joanna was describing that, how many millions and millions of people have you walked through this journey through the ages of struggling and teaching us to surrender and release ourselves to you? And then seeing the beauty of uh, you give yourselves to us. Mm. And I just pray for each woman listening that you would encourage her heart wherever she is on that journey, uh, that you love her, that you're for her. Thank you for the power and the beauty that you've given her. And I pray that you would teach her in marriage and elsewhere to use that in a way that honors you and that impacts our world as you intended. And thank you for this opportunity to share and to connect um, with my sister in Christ and to encourage those listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, marriage isn't easy. Choosing to believe the best in each other when we so clearly see the worst, that's hard. But I believe building one another up is the most important thing that we can do. Proverbs 14.1 tells us, A wise woman builds her home but a foolish woman tears it down with her own hands. And may I add, with her own words. 
I'm so grateful for the wisdom that Julie shared with us today, but it's just a tiny cup full from a very deep well. So I hope you'll check out the show notes for links to Dr. Julie's book, her website, her podcast, and all of her other resources. Because God wants to help you find the hero in your husband, in your kids, in all the people he's placed in your world. As you love them well and believe the best in them, well, everyone's going to be transformed because we're loving each other the way that Jesus loves us. If you haven't subscribed or followed the Living Room Podcast, I hope you'll do that today. And if you take time to leave a rating or review, that would just mean so much to me. Until next time, my friend, keep living and loving and leading like Jesus.